Amen. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you for leading us in uh, worshiping Jesus today. And our prayer is that we don't just worship him for an hour or so on Sunday morning. Uh, that it's not uh, j- as we gather here in order to recharge. We want to worship not just Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday. And have you ever considered and thought that your work during the week is an act of worship? Uh, as uh, we've been going through uh, this uh, last several weeks, uh, this sermon series on securing the bag, God's financial plan for us, we've really been assuming um, and stating that God, He provides money to us through our work. But is that all that work is? Is it just a necessary evil that we have to tr- trudge through in order to get the resources we need to pay the bills? Or is our, wor- our work part of our worship? Is there something more to work than just getting a paycheck? And as we'll look today at God's word, we'll hear how work, yes, it is indeed the way that God has provided for us to have resources, but it is much more than that. It is indeed an act of worship. Uh, just as giving, we participate in, in what God does because God is a giver. What we'll see is we participate with God because God is also a worker. Um, uh, I'll go through a couple passages to sort of highlight that as we work our way um, through a little bit of, of God's understanding of work and how it relates to our um, God's plan for his people. Uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we do give you thanks for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth. And we ask, um, Lord, that you would, in, in the power of your spirit, continue to open our minds, our hearts, and our very hands to hear and to receive and to believe and then to do as you're calling us. We do indeed love you. Our heart and our desire is to worship you and for others to do the same. So fill us so that we might be a witness to you in all that we say and all that we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, our first passage is from the very beginning, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 1, starting with verse uh, 26. Um, And this is the the end of the, the, the... Events of the creation of the world. So verse uh, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. 
And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth. Everything that has breath of life. I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first thing that uh, we see in this passage as it relates also just to the whole of the first chapter of Genesis is that God works to create and sustain life, beauty, and goodness. God works to create and sustain life, goodness, and beauty. I mean, it's the very nature of God to work, to be creating, to be sustaining life. It's the, the, the work of God uh, to sustain, to give sustenance to his creation. As it is explained here, not for all the plants and the animals and the humans. The whole of creation God has made. And then he passes on that work to us. So when, when he says to Adam, now I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this so you have dominion over this. You're, you're to be a steward of this. You're to, to manage this. In cha- later on in chapter 2, verse uh, 15, uh, he says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So we're called, just like, as I mentioned in the beginning, just like as God gives, he gives to us so that we might then give to others. We, we, we follow, we emulate our creator. So too in work do we emulate our creator. That we're called to work in order to create, sustain life, beauty, and goodness. Now, I'm sure many of you are saying, okay, what am I doing wrong? Uh, that's not my nine to five or eight to six or seven to seven, whatever your hours are at work. There, there's a lot of frustration in work. And there are many a times that maybe you're just punching the time clock, just mailing it in, just doing it to get through so you can get your check at the end of the day. And we find out. In the rest of chapter 2 and then chapter 3, why that's the case. And uh, many of you know the story. After God has put Adam and Eve in the garden, he says, Now, you are to manage it, you're to tend it, you're to work it, to keep it. And you can eat of any fruit of the trees except for this one. Don't eat of this. And what Adam and Eve did, eventually they succumbed to the temptation that maybe they knew better than God. Their trust was in themselves and not in God. So they sidestepped God's command and they took the fruit for themselves, disobeying God, bringing judgment, bringing consequences for their sin. And we hear some of those those consequences of the sin, their judgment from God in chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. 
And to Adam, God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Because of sin, work now requires toil and struggle. It, 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 the original plan was not for work to be laborious. For it, to, for it to be frustrating and futile. The, the original planet creation was for, for it to be a real hand-in-glove kind of field. To be fulfilling, to be meaningful, purposeful. But that original plan has been soiled by our sin. That original plan where work was to fulfilled with goodness, beauty, and fruitfulness has been broken. Now we live in this season where work can be unfulfilling, where the work of our hands does not produce fruit commiserate with the effort that we've put into it. And it's not necessarily your sin or my sin. It's, it's, the, it's our sin. It, it, it's it's the, the, the sin that, that the Apostle John calls the ways of the world that we call today systemic evil. Or is the work of the evil one himself. There's all, all kinds of ways now that in our world work has become futile and frustrating at times. And being part of a multiracial church, um, um, and a, a church with men and women of equal value, um, a privilege of mine is I get to hear stories from you of the way work is frustrating. Uh, way that, that you experience because of your gender, you get paid less than others. Now that if your name was Andrew instead of Andrea, you'd be paid more. Or ways because of your background and ethnicity, uh, you, uh, you don't get the job or don't get the promotion. That if you're, you, and we, we know this, uh, I know it from, cause I hear it from you, and we also see studies where, you know, people put in, uh, Resumes, they're exactly the same, but they change the name at the top and they see who gets the job. And it's more likely if your name is Drew, you're going to get the job rather than if your name is Dave or Diego. Now that's, that's just the brokenness of our world. That's, that is the sin that's around us in ways that work it can be frustrating and futile. Uh, there's an interesting um, book just came out by Farrah Stockman called American Made. What happens to people when work disappears? And there was a, a ball bearing plant in Indiana that was closed uh, five or six years ago. And she followed uh, three workers um, whose jobs were no longer uh, available to them because the manufacturing plant moved out of the country. And so she walked uh, with them to see what happened in their, their lives. And one of them was Wally. Now, Wally, he understood that, that work was something not just to put, put food on the table, but also something of meaning and purpose. And he saw this, what is bad, his job being taken away, as God's leading him to take the next step. And what had been in his heart was to 
cook barbecue and have a barbecue restaurant. So he, he did. He, he, he went out and he bought, he had a lot of what he needed and just from his home, he started making barbecue and selling it and it was going well. And, uh, um, Miss, Miss Stockman, the, the author of the, the, the book, she even helped. It was the way that she was schlepping barbecue pork out the door. And that was the, sort of the way that she paid, um, uh, Wally to, to help him start his restaurant. You know, so what was bad and terrible, none of his fault. He was out of work. He, God then led him to do this, so that he started this selling his barbecue. It was working well for about a year and a half. And, uh, and during that year and a half, he was having some pains in his chest, but, you know, the problem was his insurance was tied to his employment and he hadn't gotten to get insurance yet out of unemployment. And so he never went to the doctor and he died of a heart attack two years later. That, that's the futility. That's the frustration, isn't it? I mean, we know that. You, you're like, yeah, I don't need more stories. You're telling me, Pastor, I don't need more stories of, frustil- of, of futility. I know them. But th- that is the world in which we live where it is what God has designed for us to do. It's a way that we emulate God as we create and, and sustain goodness and beauty and care for others through our work. But it is also characterized by futility. The, the good news, though, that in Jesus Christ we're freed from that futility to be the end of our world and to continue like Wally did. When his job was taken away, he went to the next thing that God led him to. So in Christ, we're, we're lifted above that futility to be guided by it and to continue with faith in, in God's plan and leading and working to take the next step. And Paul captures this really well in Colossians chapter 3, where he, he reminds us that even in the midst of the frustration and futility of work, that God has a greater purpose in the midst of it. And so uh, this is uh, Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 22. And this is in the middle of uh, the... A household codes that Paul is, is talking to, to households, which were also, often also small businesses um, in uh, in Paul's day. And he talks to the he talks to the the husbands and the wives, the children, and then he talks to the bond servants, to the servants in the home, uh, most most likely uh, who uh, um, were the, the workers in the home. And this is what he says to them, verse uh, twenty two of Colossians three. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So what, what Paul wants to remind us in our work, even in the futility and frustration of our work, in all of our work, we serve the Lord. We're, we're to work heartily for Jesus. This goes back to our, um, uh, to the first, second sermons where we were talking about, you know, God is the boss. God is the owner. And we work for Him no matter what our work that God has us doing in the moment. We work for Him. 
Now, the, again, the, the context here is, is bond servants, which could have been uh, employees, household servants. It could have been people who were working their way out of debt. It could have been prisoners uh, that were now working um, as bond servants in uh, someone's particular um, business. And note that Paul has both a word for the bond servants and the master and telling them all, you all work under the authority of Jesus. Just talk about that just for a moment. What, what are the implications of that? That Jesus is your boss. Jesus is my boss. What, what, what does that mean then? What, what would that look like? What, if you, as you go in to work, do you imagine Jesus walking with you? Yeah, and he's listening in on every phone call? Yeah, me either. But that's what it is. Jesus is our boss. And he tells us here, man, work, work for me. And, and he even says, you will be rewarded. The inheritance, your inheritance is with me. Which would have been particularly meaningful for bond servants in the first century since they didn't have inheritance. If Jesus were physically with you, how does that change how you work? Does that, does that really, doesn't that motivate us then to work with excellence unto the Lord in whatever we do? Because he tells us here, he won't, he won't forget, he'll remember the excellence in which you worked, the beauty in which you worked, the, the goodness in which you worked. And that he, he includes the, the highest to the lowest in the work hierarchy. And that, that it also means what you, not only how you do it, but what you do. In, in our setting today, there may be places where we're working and we have positions of influence. And in the boardroom, we need to stand up and say, this is wrong. This does not promote what is good. This does not promote life. This is using people instead of serving people. We need to stop this practice. Or in the manufacturing floor, you may see practices that are putting people at, in, in dangerous places. And, and you need to bring Part of If Jesus is the boss, then we will not only work with excellence, but we'll work with honesty. We'll work with truth. We'll work with righteousness. We'll pursue the, the beauty and goodness in all that we do. Because our, our work is not just a necessary evil, but it is a way that we worship God. Not only is it a way that we worship God first and foremost, but it is also a way in which God provides for our needs. So we get the the big picture in its place of work being what God does, and now there we emulate him and what God has provided this work in order to meet the basic needs that we have. And um, also... To even give us more so that we can then give to others in the midst of that need. Here from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 6 through 12. 
Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. God gives us work to provide for our needs. I mean, you, you see here, Paul says here, you know, don't work, then don't eat. We do have a personal responsibility to work if we are able. Because that is how God provides for us. And it's also how God provides us a way to, to worship him, to emulate him. To pro, and to uh, provide for us, to provide for us above our needs so that we can provide for others, so that we can participate in the financially in the work of God's church and ultimately worship him. Now, what was happening in Thessalonica here was a little bad theology. See, the, some of the people there were thinking that Jesus, they had the wrong theology of when Jesus was coming back. Some of them thought Jesus had already come back and they missed it. So they were despondent. Others thought that Jesus was, was coming back really soon, like with next week. And so if you really believe Jesus come back next week, hey, I'm quitting this job. I got enough in the pantry or I can get with my friends and we're just going to eat. We're not going to work anymore because Jesus is coming back next week. Or so it was a very confusing time. A lot of people uh, with uh, bad theology, they were just idle. They were able to work, but they were refusing to because of what they um, believed. They were hanging out and getting in, in trouble. And and I want to just a little sideline on this. I want to be sure that you, we recognize that these are not people who are caught in poverty. These are not the the people that are were in Jesus' day like beggars on the side of the road because uh, they were paralyzed or blind or anything like. These are people who were able to work but refused to. And in that idleness, they started to get in a lot of trouble. Uh, because we're created to work. We're not created uh, to be uh, idle. And you, you see in there where uh, that little phrase where they were not busy, but they became busy bodies. Probably if uh, it's probably the genesis of this notion that idle hands are the devil's workshop. You know, when we're not doing something, we're not acting in a way that's uh, that's positive, that the sin within us will lead us in a way to act in a way that is negative. And all of that was going on in Thessalonica at that time. Work gives us avenues to protect us from ourselves even, to do what is good and beautiful and life-giving. This, this also can, we understand, this tells us that as followers of Jesus, we never retire from working. It's just, we now get, need to get paid for it. 
God has provided enough for you and you followed God's leading and plan for your retirement so that now you do not have to get paid for your work anymore. But because the greater purpose of work is not just get it, putting food on the table, the greater purpose of work is that we're emulating God, then we're always working where God calls us to work. It also keeps us from being busybodies. Keeps us in our idleness from getting in a lot of trouble. And there may be some ways that we need to stop being on social media so much. And go work in some ways of caring for those that are in need. You know, work in some ways of, of promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that don't, don't know him or to help him follow. I mean, we got plenty of avenues with children, with youth, uh, tutoring, uh, singing, um, playing music, uh, plenty of avenues here in the church for, for work when you don't need to be paid for it. And work that's in alignment with the ways of the kingdom. Or there's plenty of other ways that you can go and serve. City Gospel, City Link, Matthew 25, Interfaith Hospitality Network, Life Forward. I mean, caring for folks that are in poverty, seeking to move out of fighting the evil of our world that oppresses to pursue what is good through work and ministries like City Link and City Gospel. Uh, families that find themselves in homelessness through Interfaith Hospitality Network, Matthew 25, not only here but around the world, uh, of, uh, dealing with disasters and, and, and need. The life forward coming alongside um, a crisis uh, women who are in crisis pregnancies, providing what they need for the baby in the womb. And after, I mean, there's all kinds, and that's just a few of great ways. That we can work when we no longer need to be paid for it. What, what a blessing. What a blessing that that is. We are created to work. Whether we get paid for it or not. You know, from that book that I, I mentioned, um, the, uh, the, the journalist followed also a woman named Sheila. And, and Sheila, um, her work was meaningful for her. It gave her a real sense of purpose and a real sense of, of who she is. And it enabled her not only to have money, but also to have strength to leave a man who was abusing her. And she tells her story of how work led her then to, 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 to a sense of purpose and meaning. Um, and then when the job was taken away, she said, you know, this job was a blessing. And so then she was even willing to train her replacement. Because this has been a blessing to me for these years, and now it's going to be a blessing for this person. And then, um, uh, but then she couldn't find work, and money started to dwindle. And the journalist wrote a little article in the New York Times about what happened. And somebody saw the article, uh, connected to the journalist, and paid Sheila's mortgage off. So that then it was paid for. She no longer needed to find work to pay for her needs. And, but you know what happened? It, it, she didn't know what to do. It led to depression. What, what was, no, she, she needs to be working. She needs to, to be doing something that, that is uh, emulating her creator and leading to that which is beautiful and good and life-giving. And uh, she eventually uh, found her way to that to that place. But again, it showed the meaning and purpose of work that God has given us. 
mean, this is the good news, friends. This is the reality of Jesus. That, that work in spite of the sin, in spite of the brokenness in us and all around us. Jesus is able through us to redeem and give us glimpses of heaven. And seeing in the work of our hands that which is beautiful and meaningful, that which is life-given. We get to taste that reality of heaven in the work of our hands because of the work of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. How much more does our world need to see that and hear that in us? It's not just for you It's not just for me that we want to be in touch with Jesus and the work that we're doing so that we're aware of how it is life-giving and that it brings us meaning and purpose. It's for those that you're working around also. Because if they they don't know Jesus, then the futility and frustration are going to overwhelm them. What What a privilege we have. To know this truth and live this truth and share it with others by what we do and by what we say. May indeed God make us a witness to the goodness, beauty, and generosity of God through the work that we do. Let's pray.